welcome to this Infectious Diseases Hub podcast. This week we'll be looking at some unexpected benefits of the measles vaccine and a potential new therapy to prevent the sexual transmission of Zika. I'm Martha Powell. And I'm Alice Greenway. the week focuses on a recent study conducted in Ghana, where researchers have discovered that the order in which the measles vaccine is given in a child's overall vaccination programme can have a great impact on survival rates beyond just preventing measles. Alice, this study correlates a vaccination with overall survival. On what basis was the study conducted? Well, previous studies have suggested the additional benefits of routine vaccinations against the six deadly childhood diseases such as measles, tuberculosis and diphtheria. Previous studies have also suggested how the order of immunisation could be of importance. Of particular interest to the research team was how child mortality rates decreased after the World Health Organisation recommended the measles vaccine be administered last, as opposed to given before or in conjunction with diphtheria, tetanus and pertussis vaccines. Great, and how did the researchers go about proving the measles vaccine could protect against more than just measles? Well, they analysed routine vaccination and survival data in northern Ghana for over 38,000 children between the years of 1996 and 2012. The researchers compared the mortality rates of children vaccinated against measles last in their vaccination programme and those who were not vaccinated against measles at all. Their survival was assessed at two time points, during the first 12 months of their first assessment of vaccination status and at five years of age. So this study looked at over 38,000 children, that's a large amount of data. What were the main findings? Well, the results demonstrated that compared with measles unvaccinated children, those who had been immunised had an increased survival rate of 28% in the first 12 months of follow-up and an increase of 18% survival rate at the age of 5. Researchers continued to observe this effect even when children who had died of measles were excluded from the analysis. And so this indicated that the beneficial effects of the measles vaccine went beyond the direct protection against measles infection. That's really interesting. And did the findings show any difference between boys and girls? Well, the researchers observed significant survival benefits of measles vaccination in boys when compared to girls, with unvaccinated boys having a 69% increased risk of mortality during the one-year follow-up and 43% higher mortality rate up to five years of age. For girls, however, there was little difference and the study's authors are unclear on the reasons behind this sex differential effect on all-cause mortality and recommend future studies. Great. So the implications of this study are obviously relevant for policymakers, not only in supporting widespread public health benefits of vaccination, but also in putting a scientific basis behind the order of childhood vaccinations. However, what if in future the measles vaccine does its job by eradicating measles? The vaccine might then be removed from the vaccination programme. Well, that is a worry. If the measles vaccination is de-emphasised due to the elimination of measles in the future, the non-specific beneficial effects of measles vaccination will also indeed be lost. Paul Welliger from the Nomfrongo Health Research Centre and lead author on the study recommends we consider continuing vaccination even if measles is eradicated. That's really interesting and I guess not something we've come across with a vaccine before. Before our second story, here are some other headlines from the field of infectious diseases this week. 
First up in industry news, Tetraphase has announced top-line results from its Phase 3 clinical trial, Ignite 3, which was assessing its novel antibiotic, Arabocycline, in urinary tract infections, revealing that the study failed to meet the primary endpoints. Also this week, the World Health Organization reported that it's scaling up its response to an outbreak of Lassa fever in Nigeria, which has spread to 17 states and may have infected up to 450 people in less than five weeks. Scientists at Imperial College London have become the first in the world to test how pathogens interact with artificial human organs, using an artificial liver model to test its response to hepatitis B virus. The team hope this will ultimately drive down the cost and time associated with clinical trials, which will benefit patients in the long run. Finally, patients with Chagas disease are often infected also with an intestinal parasite, according to researchers from the Barcelona Institute for Global Health. This retrospective study suggested that T. cruzi infection was associated with a two-fold increase in the odds of strongyloidiasis in Latin American migrants attending a tropical diseases unit, even after adjusting for other epidemiological variables. Our second story concerns Zika and new research from Academia Sinica in Taiwan, which has reported that an antioxidant, epsilin, can improve testicular pathology and prevent sexual transmission in mouse models of Zika infection. So transmission of this virus is primarily via mosquitoes. However, recent research has suggested that sexual transmission may also be possible, with transmissions occurring primarily from men to women. With antiviral and vaccine developments ongoing, preventing transmission is crucial, but is sexual transmission a real problem for Zika infection? I mean, in this study, the author suggests that sexual transmission could be as critical as mosquito-borne transmission in the context of maternal infection. For example, they cite that by August 2016, the World Health Organization had documented sexual transmission of Zika in 11 countries worldwide. In addition, bodies such as the CDC are providing guidance about how to protect yourself from Zika infection via sex, so it is a real issue. And what led the researchers to this antioxidant as a potential treatment? Well, oxidative stress plays an important role in the pathogenesis of many RNA and DNA viruses. And in this study, the team demonstrated that in infected mice, Zika had damaged cells, impaired normal gene expression, damaged sperm, and infected sperm cells themselves, all in addition to causing signs of increased testicular inflammation and oxidative stress. The antioxidant in question, epsilin, has previously been shown to reduce oxidative stress and improve histopathological features in testicular injury, so therefore the team had identified it as a compound that could potentially alleviate some of the issues that were seen in the Zika model. That's interesting. And you mentioned that epsilin prevented sexual transmission and improved testicular pathology in affected mice, but were there any other effects seen? So, more specifically, the team found that epsilin mitigated Zika-induced increases in the levels of nitric oxide and reactive oxygen species in the sperm, and as you mentioned, sexual transmission was completely prevented. However, it was also found that this drug reduced the levels of inflammatory cytokines, including interleukin-6, interleukin-10 and GCSF. So, is it suggested that this drug is a potential avenue for preventing sexual transmission in Zika? Well, epsilin is currently being used in clinical trials for various diseases. In addition, an oral capsule of this antioxidant has been tested for safety and pharmacokinetics in healthy adults. So this suggests there could be a potential clinical use for epsilin in Zika. Well, that sounds like an interesting avenue to explore for the field of Zika treatment. 
So that was this week's news podcast from Infectious Diseases Hub. Take a look at the website for lots of other great content, including interviews, opinion pieces and more. Thank you.